here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where uh, we talk about uh, yesterday's yesterday's big slate. Go through results, DB. See what landmines that you were able to navigate around uh, for yesterday's slate, and then uh, talk talk a little bit about uh, we'll, we'll we'll make. We'll make a couple of lineups for the early slate, okay? Even though I don't, we're pr- probably not going to have like, like half of the half the lineups aren't going to be out yet. But uh, but we could take a look. See, we could take a look at it, right? We got some ownership, some preliminary stuff up. Take a look at the early slate, and then as always, answer your DFS strategy questions. Doesn't have to be baseball; it could be anything, whatever. Whatever. It's guided by you, right? Some pe- some people watch this later. Some people. Listen to the podcast version, which you should subscribe to on iTunes. And they go, so sometimes you don't talk about today's slate. Or sometimes you barely talk about this. Well, if you show up, if you show up live at 11 o'clock Eastern in, in the morning and you type in the questions that you want, that's what that's what we talk about. So it's all about you. So give me those thummy thumbs. Help us out. Thummy thumbs, thumbs up. Keep the apple juice cold, which it is really isn't because I got this like two hours ago but whatever uh hit the subscribe button if you're new here hit the notification bell to know when we go live i see you guys in there zuki singh jerome lewis alex hooper doug montgomery hog lawrence daniel hutchins card fans apocalypse dwayne bones brian c jim Steele. we got we got we got the crew we got the crew in here uh today and yesterday yesterday was uh yeah yesterday was uh, the, the, we got we got the, the Mets, the Mets Nationals game lasted about two innings, right? And then that got suspended. And then the Phillies Dodgers game went about five, four, four or so, four a little. And then it was rain for like two hours. So then Scherzer and Nolan both didn't come back. Uh, so, and then, then we got the two double header games that were only seven innings. And, uh, and you had to navigate through, uh, through a lot. So, uh, so obviously the seven in games on a 15 game slate, I just, I just accept, right. You can possibly take one offs from those types of games, but the ceilings of those are so suspect on a 15 game slate. I could, I could just go elsewhere. Uh, so at pitching, uh, pitching, pitching, I, I did, I did not do well yesterday at pitching, right. I knew, I knew Scherzer and Gilbert would be the two highest owned pitchers. Okay. Uh, I thought Scherzer was going to be wildly overowned. Uh, now forsaken at a bunch, right? I mean, it's not like I didn't have none, right? But forty uh, percent. I mean, a lot, a lot went under, right? 20, 32, 28, 30. I was, I was around, around twenty ish. And Gilbert was ninety six hundred. He's not necessarily the most proven pitcher, facing the Rangers. Okay, great matchup. Uh, so I, I was under on him also, but I mean, I still, I still had plenty of him. I, you know, twenty something percent. I decided. Uh, since people, if they were going to pay up for Scherzer, I was going to play more Zach Gallen and Sean Manaya, and that did that did not work out. Well, Sean Manaya definitely didn't work out. Uh, cheese, which is cheese, had a bunch. I just uh, four even fourteen percent. I I thought was uh, high for him. I expected Sean Manaya to be like five percent owned. Turns out he was fourteen percent owned. I wouldn't have done that. I would have played more Sonny Gray instead, right? Because that that range up there. The Scherzer range, Scherzer with 11,000. But I'm looking at Nola. I'm looking at Gray. I'm looking at Manaya. 
right? Alex Wood, but I mean, he was he was more of a, you know, do I want to pay 9,800 for him or whatever? Not really. So it's like, how could I build similar lineups just with, just with pitchers? So I did, I did have a lot. I mean, I had like, uh, you know, four times the field of Sonny Gray, but I also had, you know, I had 36% Sean Manon, right? I, I, and Jack, Zach Allen was like 7,100. So I was trying to fit in. I fit in a lot of Oda Rizzi, Gallon type of lineups and then spend up. And then I had, I had a bunch of J.A. Happ. J.A. Happ projected as the best point per dollar pitcher in the bat yesterday and didn't disappoint. 20, 23 points. So it was the, what, the second highest, third? Griffin Jacks was the highest scoring pitcher. 10 strikeouts. The, de- the, the game before, he pitches, what, six innings? Zero strikeouts. Now, all of a sudden, it's like he's mowing people down, right, against the White Sox. We had him, but barely and barely anyone had him. I mean, almost no one, no, a lot of sharp players did. It was, well, it wasn't even in the, in the pool, right? Aaron Nola, 22. He could obviously have scored way more if it wasn't the game didn't get to go into a rain delay. But I still have plenty of Nola. I had a, I had a, I had a much wider pitching pool uh, yesterday. I played, what, 120 lineups. I, I played a lot more of Daniel Lynch. A lot of people didn't. Well, 11 points, not bad. Not horrible, right? Not absolutely horrible. You take a look at all the positions. The chart, there really wasn't chalk. The thing is, is that on a 15-game slate, there really wasn't chalk other than like Scherzer, Gilbert, other than Eloy. Okay, so I get 24% don't batter that gets zero points. And you could see, for the most part, you know, most sharp players are going to be under on. Right, a 24% thrown batter on a 15 game slate. Even if you take out the double header games, a 13 game slate, is it worth it? No. Right, Tim Anderson, right? Okay, so the White Sox were chalky, the Reds, but it's it, after that, it's really not, it's not, I mean, even the White Sox, like outside of Eloy and Tim Anderson, Lewis Robert, 11%. And then, like, who's that? Moncada at eight. So I guess the White Sox were the, ch- were the chalkiest stack, but I mean, I mean, not absurdly so. I mean, outside of that, I mean, I mean, there's only so many so many players that were even over 10% owned. So once you're playing a five-man stack, you're playing guy, you're playing guys that are single-digit owned, no matter what you're doing. So much more spread out yesterday, other other than other than Eloy, pretty much. So playing Eloy as a one-off or something may not have been the the, the best the best move. I don't know. He could have just gotten three home runs and that could have been it. You're right. It could happen. But yesterday, my top stacks yesterday, I'm looking at my cheat sheet, was uh, Cincinnati. Okay. St. Louis, who looked good in the beginning, right? Tommy Edmond, Paul DeJong, but then Goldie and Arenado, they don't do anything. Molina doesn't do anything, right? Bader, Carlson. Carlson got a hit or two or whatever. Right. The Cardinal stack looked good in the beginning and then kind of just mm, whatever. So I'd say I'd St. Louis. I had uh, the Tampa Bay Boston game. So I had a, I had a bunch of like, uh, you know, Tampa Bay right-handed stacks, right? That didn't necessarily work out. The Rays, the Rays scored runs, but like five of their runs were driven in by pinch hitters. So that didn't help me. And then Boston was fine because I had Devers and Renfro. So, I mean, I had a lose, I had a losing day, but I mean, I didn't lose all my money. Because when you have, when you have, when you have Sean Manaya in a third of your lineups, like that's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I mean, my best lineups were with the Detroit lineups, which you know that that was, I believe that was the winning stack, right? We take a look at the, 
Yeah, Detroit. Right, Nola Gilbert. And you needed, you kind of needed Sal Perez because he was the highest, probably I think highest scores player on the slate with 33 at catcher. And then you, then you go, here's Tommy Edmond, home run as a one-off. Santander, double dong, right? You have the two double dongs in your lineup and the Detroit stack. And even Derek Hill with the zero. So there you go, $100,000 with a zero in your lineup. The power of stacking. As long as you got Detroit right, you're fine. Let me take a look at his next lineup. A similar thing, right? Posey, and he had Posey at 27. But very similar thing, three points from Castellanos in the outfield. Forsaken's best lineup. Went the other way, went to Oakland stack. Just didn't score, just didn't score enough. Didn't have, you know, Scherzer, Scherzer. Could have, could, could have, couldn't have been out that guy. Lowry, Chapman, Marte, Harrison, Brown. I mean, the, the Oakland stack really didn't pay off at all, right? Just too few points. Brick 75, Odorizzi Gilbert with the Detroit, basically Detroit Royals 5-3. Michael Taylor, Perez, Merrifield. Like, this is a good lineup. Just didn't didn't have Willie Cash right. Castro was the kind of the key to the Detroit lineup. So having you know, Candelario and instead of Whit Merrifield, you'd have. Well, no, you don't think you needed. Willie Castro scored like twenty three points. Yeah, here you go, twenty one. Take a look at Jay Blake, the King. Yeah, Detroit stack, right? If you had Detroit stacks, Detroit, Kansas City. Adam Engel had a home run as a one off, right? As long as you got enough points, you, know, you got 30. If you get 35 to 40 points out of your pitchers, you were good. You could have won. This gem sports guy. Wow. All over the place. Just a ton of Detroit stacks. Right. There you go. I'm just going to play every Detroit stack possible. Yeah. They're not bad lineups, right? They're five man Detroit stacks. There you go. Five X, five, five stack, a couple of one offs. Two pictures, and you're good. Uh, let's see. Chris Galligan, sup, Jordan? Hope you had a good night, which I didn't. I got bounced from first down to second in the $4.20 max after the slate because of a stack correction last night. What stack correction? What, what got corrected? Was it that thing on? Uh, uh, only because I saw it? Was the last play of the whatever, the Seattle game, there was an error. It was originally ruled as a hit. And then they made it an error, which made it an unearned run or something. There was some something happened yesterday like that. I don't think it was a stat correction. I mean, MLB, the score, the score was originally scored something. And then it was correct. Like the stat, the stat wasn't an error in the, in the DraftKings lobby. Like it was actually corrected on the field. I heard something. Maybe am I making, did I dream it? Did I fall asleep too early? I don't know. All I know is that so, so someone someone I know was was saying like uh, the, the, some unearned run had to be changed or something. I have no idea. I have no idea. Once I saw that I had no chance at first, I go to sleep. Right. <laughs> that that's what I do. <laughs> Where was I in here? Where what was my best lineup? No, that's not my name. Ninety seventh. Okay, I got ninety seventh. Right. What was my best line? But Detroit stack. Right. There you go. Right. But I had Haas, right, at, at catcher. So Haas, Cabrera, Castro, Goodrum, Grossman. I had Renfro, 23. I had Santander, 28. 
Like Dozier, seven, yeah, yeah. But the hot, right? It's getting zero points a catcher when you had Posey and Perez drastically outperforming everyone to catcher. You're gonna need it. Close, right? Right. My next lineup here, Detroit. Right. Same thing. Here's 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 Detroit with Sal Perez. Right. Yeah, but I but you have two Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees didn't do it. But Detroit, five man Detroit. Sal Perez one off, two man Judge Stanton, Nola Gallon. Nice leverage a pitcher. Just doesn't get there. Doesn't get there. It's not like I didn't have Detroit. I had plenty, right? I got a lot of, I cashed a bunch of lineups, right? And then didn't cash out a lot of other lineups. Okay. Ronald Coley, MLB is so frustrating in the low dollar contest lineups with a bunch of one-offs keep winning because that they're the most likely lineups to win. That's 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 common. Enough people throw in one-off lineups that one of them will win, especially on a slate where it's lower scoring, where there's not one team that that put up you know 12 runs or something. Yesterday's slate, I mean, did you need a stack? No. Can you find all the one-offs that work? Yeah. That, and if 40% of the contest, especially the low stakes, if 40% of the entries that into the contest are people that are making non-stacked lineups, two-man, I mean, maybe they have two from the same team. So it's called, in poker, it's called implicit collusion. It, it just means that there's so, so many, there's so many combinations of that that some, one of them, one of them, so all you need is the nut. It's easier to get the nuts with all one-offs. The optimal lineup is always going to be all one-offs. It's just, how do you get that one lineup? What process do you get to, to get that one lineup? It's, it's nearly impossible. To know the eight individual batters that will all be the highest score at their, at their respective positions. Catcher one, first base one, second base one, the top three outfielders, the top two pitchers. Obviously, the pitchers aren't necessarily correlated with the other batters. And people try doing that. They go, well, let me try to find eight home runs. But if you notice, the, the users that play those lineups, you know, you may have 20 to 40% of the entire contest that looks like that, especially at the low stakes. It's not the same people. One, one of that mess of 5,000 entries is, is going to one. But it's not going to be the same same user. You're not going to see multi. Oh well, he did it again. Like no, because it's there's, there's no process in order to do that. So it's going to be just some random random Joe that threw threw a lineup in. That's why you see them mostly as single bullets. But there's a lot of those single bullets in there. So that's you know on a lower scoring slate, when there's no like a stack doesn't go off. Like even the Detroit the Detroit stack didn't like go off go off. I mean, there were better scoring players at some of these positions, right? We take a look. Like he went with a zero, a $2,800 zero. You could have played Michael Taylor there as a one-off from the, from the Royals, right? A five-man stack didn't pay off. You could have played Nola and, and left money and have cap there. Pay up from Derek Hill and play Juan Soto in that lineup. Right? There's, so many, there's so many ways to, to build a lineup that's not stacked, that has all the highest scoring players in it. But can you, can you do that as a process? Can, 
can you make that as a process? So you're doing that every single day for 150 lineups and be profitable. No, there isn't. You utilize the correlation so you don't have to do that. And most of the time, you don't need the nut. You don't need the, the, the nut lineup in the, on the slate. Could have been, what, 200-something points? But no, it has. It, no, I mean, no, 168.9 wins the contest. So the larger the contest, especially like the mini-max, in some sports, like the mini-max may be larger than the, th what, 32,086 in the junior immaculate inning. How many are in the mini-max? Like this, well, this is a 1,000 mini-max, right? 14, right, four, 47,000 entries. So it's bigger. So it's harder. This mini-max is harder to win than the junior immaculate just because of the field size. Now you also have a lot of more weaker lineups, possibly, not dramatically, but enough so. Because, you know, I can't play this contest. The sharper players, you know, that, that are restricted from the lower stakes can't play it. But even in this, even a 171.2, right? This was the mini-max, one, two, three, four. It's a four-man Detroit. Then he got some, you know, I mean, it's a four-man and some one-offs, I guess. And two two Seattle players, a four, two, one, one, which I guess at least it's four from the same team. Okay, that's fine. This is, this is not a bad lineup. It'll work on a slate where no, no five-man stack really pays off and no five-man stack paid off yesterday, even though it was a large slate. So this is fine. But you could find, like, let's take a look, a Henry, whatever. Even this has, has some, you're right, three-man. A lot of times you're looking for the single bullet. Tamarack, one, two, three. Like, this is kind of a messy lineup. Right, but you could, you could tell by, like, the amount of, like, 150-ers or whatever. But mo all, all these guys, you're playing at least four-man on, on, on DraftKings, right? You're doing something like that. This is the mini-max. But you're still going to get a, bunk, a bunch of dainty 13. Let's see. One, two. Like, take a look at this lineup. Texas, Pittsburgh. I mean, just a, this is a mess. There's no more than two players from one team. And some of these other players are like, why are you playing? Jason Martin, at almost no ownership. Griffin Jacks is in this. Look, look at this lineup. Sonny Gray, Griffin Jackson, no stacks. Two-man giants, and that's that's it. Could this lineup, could this lineup, it could have won, right? 152 playing a 0.5% on pitcher that put up the highest score, right? You got the nut, you got the nut catcher. Instead of playing Akil Badu, instead of playing Gregory Polanco or something, and Akil Badu, he could have played Santander, right? He gets the 20, let's say you get the 28 points from Santander instead, because you're just, you're, you're throwing people together, right? This has no correlation to it. You could have easily played 28, you know, Santander was cheap, right? It was like this price. But you add 28 points to this, and that's uh, 170.55. He comes in like second place, right? And instead of playing DJ LeMayhew, he plays uh, some, someone else. Or Brandon Crawford, he plays whatever. Whoever, Paul DeJong, he plays Paul DeJong in that spot instead. Because Paul DeJong, because Paul DeJong was like 4,300. 
and then he plays Santander here. Right? So he makes up 28 points and what? DeJong had 14. That's five points there. That's what? Five points there. There you go, 33 points. And, and there you go, he wins first. And you look at the lineup and you go, how the... That guy would look, look at this. Look at it. Look at this lineup. It's crazy. Feel free to try to reproduce this every Try to build these lineups every day and be profitable. But enough people build these types of lineups and one of them shows up up top. You're not going to see the same person. Until then, then, then you could, then, then you could come to me. If you see someone at 150 maxes, and builds lineups that's in MLB that are just not correlated much at all and, and is taking them down like, you know, every other week, then, then we could talk. Then we go, okay, what are we missing? Now, now we got to start investigating, right? But when the people that are spending the most amount of money that are most profitable are not building these types of lineups, there has to be a reason, right? Just the octaves razor, right? But just because you see one lineup on top doesn't, yes, yes. Uh, all one-off lineup can win. But are how many, you know how many combinations there, there are of that? Millions. But the, it's not the construction. Okay, what, what eight batters are you going to put in? And if you're wrong on any one of them, you're probably dead. And you don't need the nuts. So you don't need all the eight best one-offs. So if you, since you don't need the absolute nuts, so why don't you just reduce the amount of things that you, that you need to have that are positively correlated to one another? So that's why you stack. People take, take like sampling bias like to, to extremes. I mean, we see, we see what's going on in the news now. Oh, it happened once. That means every, I could I have to throw everything else out. No, of course, because the, the probability is never 100%. Are you are you stack you stack an MLB? You stack five three five two one four three one. You stack. Oh, but yesterday a guy won with the all one offs. Said, but how about the, all the other days? How about all the other day? All the other days, like who who what what type of lineup wins? Well, pr primarily, if we go through all all the contests this this past season, uh, stack won uh, seventy eight percent of the time, right? A, a five man stack on DraftKings, and then then twenty two percent, then twenty one percent of the time, twenty percent of the time it's a four something type of stack, and two percent of the time it's garbage. It's the messes. So it's like okay, yeah, and messes could win. Oh, so that means I don't play. I, I should be playing the messes. It's like okay, you're gonna play the you're gonna play the types of lineups that win two percent of the time versus the types of lineups that win ninety eight percent of the time. People get so so concerned over it. Like it happened once, so that means, yeah, of course, it's it's not a hundred percent. Oh, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Brian C. How do you estimate ownership on a slate if Roto Grinders has yet to put it up? I showed I showed that last week. You were literally here for it. By running 300 lineups in the optimizer with, you know, some type of max cap on, you know, whatever you think the highest owned pitcher and highest batter is, just set your max to that. And then just see what comes out. Are you, are you going to get exact ownership numbers? No, of course not. You get, a, you get more of a sense of like what, 
what stacks will be more owned and what pitchers will be more owned and what combinations there are. And obviously, like Jim Steele says in the chat, look at the Vegas team totals, right? Typically. Typically, if you look at the team totals, that correlates very well with the you know, stack ownership. Brian C. So why stack exactly? Because a home run from number three batter scores those who are already on base. Well, that's that's direct. That that would be directly true. You can measure correlation. There's actually a way to do it. Oh my God. Imagine if someone that's profitable in DFS has actually gone through and did and used actual statistics, right? Like you could you could go. What I would suggest is to go to Khan Academy. They have a statistics course there in Khan Academy and just do it, right? There's multiple ones. You can go on YouTube. You don't have to pay anything. Khan Academy, there's tons of stuff on YouTube. You could, you could uh, Stanford has some lectures or whatever. They're not, they're not all that great. Uh, I mean, they're boring, but I mean, they're still good. On, on just basic statistics, like we're talking about basic statistics. So you can measure the correlations of these things, right? You can measure it. What are the chances? Because what you're doing is obviously you're aiming for ceiling results, right? A set, up, uh, the, the 75th percentile of a player's score, right? Well, what correlates to that? Well, you could take the past data, right? So you could take all of, all of DFS scoring for the past 10 years, MLB, I mean, you could take it from pre previous to that because you just, you take the stats that happened in 2008 and you just put the DFS scoring on them. So you go, you could just, you can do it, right? It'll, you'll have to learn how to, you know, set that all up to compare, right? What are you comparing? You're trying to plot on a line. Like this is where this is, when you hear the word R or R squared, like that's, that's what you're comparing. You're trying to get the correlation coefficient of one thing to another thing from a variable to another thing. So it's like, how often when, when this guy scores X points, does that guy score X points? So you could do that on a team, right? Just in a team in general, you just go, go there's eight batters in the National League or nine batters in the American League and plot out when they score X amount of points, do their teammates score more than, when they score more than their 50th percentile, do their teammates score more than their 50th percentile? And you could, you could actually measure that, right? And you could back test that all the way through for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Obviously you have to convert the data into DFS scoring because it didn't exist back then. And it turns out that when one batter on a team does well, there are other batters on the team tend to do well. Doesn't always happen. So all batters in a lineup are correlated to each other. And the closer they are in the lineup, they correlate a little bit more, a little bit more, but not excessively more. A team doing well means the players get more at-bats, more opportunities to score points. There are more, there are more people on base, so their at-bats are worth more. Right, a hit when there's a, there's no one on base and a hit versus there's a man on third, 
Well, you get two points for that RBI on DraftKings, right? There's two men on base. You get even more points. You're, you're at bat. Your plate appearances have more ability to get more points. Doesn't matter who's in the line. Right. You need more batters, more runners on base, more walks, more people, more people on. That means those guys are doing well because they're getting points for being on base, right? A single, a double, a walk, whatever. And now they're also going to score runs coming the other way if the other guy does well. So you can plot that out mathematically. You could go the entire time. Why, why do you think all the sharp players stack to some extent? Is it always 5-3? No. There has to be a reason. And if you notice, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look. I'm going to show. Let's go. There's the forums. I'm going to go. Okay, where, where do we find? Okay, I, I never go directly. Rankings. We're going to go to the rankings. Okay. Go to the MLB rankings, specifically, I guess. Okay. Now, we take a look. We take a look at the rankings. We have cheese there. Cheese 10th. Okay. We take a look at a, a lot of the top, a lot, a lot of the top players. I would say more than half of the top players. Amazingly enough, uh, have degrees in applied mathematics or some type of field related to that. Shocking, 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 shocking. Awesome. and Giant Squid and Uticow and Whistles Go Woo and Anil and Mock Lovin. Brick 75, baseball stuff and statistics and Baranosaurus Rex and the Colts and yeah, Jesus up there. I mean, you get there. BK Reader, same thing. Why are they doing this? Well, probably because they've done exactly they've done exactly what I said. I mean, once you find that out, everyone knows. I mean, that's why everyone does. That's it's hard it's hard not to. Right? These aren't these aren't con, things aren't being said out of conjecture, out of just like objective, just like oh, one day, one day, four or five years ago, six years ago. So someone, so, someone said, you know what? Stacking, stacking seems pretty good. And then people just took that at face value and just everyone just repeats it as if it has no mathematical basis to back it up. Like, no, of course it does. That, that's why people do it. <laughs> okay. And you could, you, and if you could do it yourself. Just take some statistics courses. You could, you could, you could do it in Excel. You could obviously do it in R. Although you need a little, little bit, little bit more coding experience for that, you can prove those things. You can get the data. You can scrape the data, get the data set. And now, do I need to do that? No, because I know because it's already been done. It's already been proven. Let's see. Daniel Hutchins correlation increases your variance, chance of very big or very small score, which helps in GPPs, right? Because the results of all the players are related to one another. The team, if the team does well, their batters do well. If the team does badly, their batters do poorly, right? And they're all related to one another. Five-man stack gets shut out. Well, you, you, you're at the bottom of the lineups. Team scores 12 runs. Probably five guys did really well. Like, that's it. End of the end of story. Okay. Let's see. Chris Galligan says, I run 5-3 every day because I don't know which day 
the all one-offs is going to win. Haha. Like five three is very limited, so so you're going to. I'm not saying five three is bad. I'm more likely to play five three in small field contests. Okay, we see this in NFL. Okay, it it's it's you have to balance two things. This is very important. Okay, and I've I've said this before. Okay, uh. Because we're going to come into NFL and it's going to apply the same way. It's going to apply in any sport that that has some type of correlation. Basketball, very weak correlations. You don't have to worry about it. Everything is dependent on slate size and contest size. Okay? So correlation increases the variance of your lineup. That's true. It also limits the opportunity for you to have outlier to get the nuts, right? That one-off batter, right? The Orioles stack yesterday didn't do well, but you needed Santander, right? So if you were to play three-man Orioles, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get the nuts, right? The nut lineup, the nut best possible line. Okay. Now the larger the contest is, the closer the winning lineup will be to the nuts. Now will it be the nuts? No but the closer it will be. So you need to aim higher. You need to aim really high. The Millie Maker in NFL, right? We have a Millie Maker at week one. $5 contest, 1.2 million entries. Okay? Most likely it's going to be, and some, it's going to be closer than nuts. That many entries? Whatever possible lineup that you could fit in to get all the points or whatever, whatever salaries, no matter if it looks weird or it's some 1% owned guy, someone's going to have it, right? It's going to be close to that, okay? So it's the same thing in MLB. If we had a 1.2 million entry contest yesterday, I'm pretty sure that someone would have had that lineup I'm talking, some Gil, some Griffin Jacks, J.A. Happ, and Santander Perez type of lineup with like, and you look and it's like, damn, like that, you, you couldn't have possibly done better than that, Okay. And it wouldn't have, and it wouldn't have had a stack to it, right? Because it's harder to get the nuts with, with stacks because you need all all five of those guys to be the best at their positions, right? But we're not playing we're not playing at one point two million entry contest. We're playing a forty seven thousand entry contest in the mill, mill, mini max, which still means you, you got to get close. You, you're going to be you have to kind of get the nuts, right? So if you play five three in this large of a contest, you have to realize that you're limiting yourself from landing on the nuts, right? If you would have played Detroit, Kansas City yesterday, you probably would have won. You probably would have won, but it depends on which players that you should. Let's say you didn't have Perez. You played Dozier, Dozier, Merrifield, and 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 whatever, and Benatendi. Like, well, you lost, right? But you, ne- you would have never had the chance to have Anthony Santana. Never, because the three-man Baltimore stack wouldn't have done enough. So playing five one one one, now you're able to get the three good one-offs. But that's in contests that you're aiming, you need, you kind of need the nuts more. So like in the large field contests, I could still play five threes. There's no, there's no problem with that. But I lean more towards five one one one. Because the contest, the field size is bigger. 
Now, in the smaller field stuff, when I'm playing the 121, the 121 in baseball, we go here, is what? 597 inches, okay? But look at the high school. Look, 153 won it. And after that, 136 was the next score. Like, a 597-entry contest, you, you don't need anywhere close to the nuts. You need anything close to them. I mean, look, look at these scores in comparison to the large field GPP. So because I don't need anywhere close to the nuts, so what, what, I want to now lean, doesn't mean I always do it, but lean towards a 5-3 where I'm not concerned with the outlier one-off, right? As long as I get two things right. I just want to get two things right. Obviously, the pitches I need to get right. Let me find the two teams that score the most runs. How do I put them together? When I play 5-3, sometimes I play 4-4, right? So basically, I'm just betting on two things. This team and that team. I think yesterday in single edge, in the 121, which I didn't catch in, I played the Reds. I think at the Reds and the Royals, I think. I think I played the Reds and the Royals. Did I, did I play Perez? And I played something like that. The Reds and the Cardinals. It was some combination like that. But it was mainly the Reds. The Reds, I played a Reds five-man or four-man or something like that. It didn't work. I played Aquino, right? Aquino did well and everyone else sucked. Uh, and I just bet on and there. That's it because I don't need I don't need to get that high of a score, so I'm just going to bet on two things. Does it increase the variance of my lineup? Yes, right. Would that be fine for large field GPP? Yes, it could be fine for large field GPP. But I know I'm locking myself out of a lot of combinations that could be the nuts. So I don't necessarily play as many five three or four four lineups in like the the bat flip or whatever the immaculate inning or whatever they're called. I'm more likely to play five one one one. Yet in single entry, I'm more likely. I'm using terms like this: more likely, less likely. Ten two, lean two. Because there are some combinations you could you could build a line. Oh, I'm going to build five three this this, and you see, like it doesn't really fit together the way that you want it. But you could end up with a one like ah uh, instead instead of having the 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 fourth piece of this, I have a much better player at at you know. At 4,400 or something, right? And you play and I go, okay, I guess it's 4-3-1 today. I've waited in my head. Do I want the extra correlation? Do I want the much better batter? And go, okay, I'll take the much better batter. That, that's 50-50, right? But I lean towards in the smaller field to try to get, you know, one thing right, two things right, least things amount right. So I don't need to get eight different things right to win a smaller field GPP. Same thing in football. NFL, you're playing the Millie Maker? Like, don't, don't, I wouldn't play four plus three type lineups. A quarterback, three of their pass catchers, and, and three guys running it, like, you stack an entire game for in like nearly your entire lineup. Like, dude, unless that game scores like 120 points, you're not going to, there's going to be some one off in some other game. Even if that game, even if that game goes 58 to 47, like, there, there, there's, there's going to be another lineup that has one less of those players and has like the 30 point guy from the, from the other game. And you're going to, and you're not going to win first place. You're going to, you're going to come in really high, but you're not going to win first. Now in a small field GBP, you do that. You're fine. Cause you don't need to get everything perfect. So in NFL, like typically in large field GPPs for NFL, I play th what, what I call a three plus one, a quarterback with two pass catchers, and a wide receiver or tight end or a pass catcher 
of the opponent's opposing team, running it back, three plus one. In small field, I'm much more likely to play three plus two, four plus two. Sometimes I'll play quarterback, two pass catchers, and even the running back of that team, and then two runbacks, right? So I'm kind of stacking that, I'm betting on that game, that game environment, and then filling out the rest from there. Because in those contests, I don't, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need to beat 1.2 million people. Even the slant, which is like 60 to 70,000. I don't have to beat that many. Small field, if I'm playing the luxury box or something, that's what, 300 people or something, 300 entries? Right, even, even the spy, 4,000 entries, okay. Maybe I'm not playing four plus three in there, but I mean, because that's, 4,000 is a little bit different than 300. Maybe I'm playing three plus two. But I don't need to, you don't need to aim for the nuts in those contests. And by correlating too much of your lineup, you're locking yourself out from the nuts. So you have to weigh those two things with each other. It's not one or the other. You may be listening. You may be watching going, oh, so in large field, I never play 5-3. Like, no, 5-3 is great in large field. But you're sacrificing the ability to get the nuts with more correlation, with more increased variance in your life, right? It's these levers. You have to think of DFS as levers. I mentioned this in my course, right? Theoryofdfs.com, 15 hours. It's all, it's all weighing one thing. There's not one answer. It's when people, do you do this or that? Like there's no answer to that question. Depends on the lineup, depends on the context. You can find lineups that do that. You can find lineups that don't do that, that have the similar expected value. So you have to think of, do I, what, where's the correlation lever? Where's the leverage lever? Where's the projection lever? Those are the three main levers. But in this case, it's like, well, the ability to make the nuts lever and the, the correlation increased variance lever. Like you're going to sacrifice one for the other. So as long as you get the right balance, right? Hey, you, could, you, could, you could build pretty much whatever the hell lineup you want. You can build one lineup for large field that's 5X and one lineup that's 5-3 and be like, okay, the, this 5X, one, one, you know, 5 one, one, one. I'm sacrificing a little bit of correlation, but I'm increasing my projection a little and playing three one-offs and maybe one one-off gets me into the nuts. And then the 5-3 lineup, you're like, well, I'm sacrificing a little bit of the ability to get the nuts to have this highly leveraged 5-3 stack. Okay. So it's not one or the other. Going through the YouTube chat. Michael Dampier says, I think you've said it before. If you, if you know that people are stacking too much, stacking will become negative EV. Is that right? Not that it's likely that happens. Well, I mean, stacking may still be plus EV. It just depends on the lineup that you're playing. Maybe certain teams may be overstacked. But they're not stacking too but. We're not anywhere close to that point. Oh, everyone stacks. No, everyone doesn't stack. Download, you can see it. You can see it. Download the CSVs. We may be in a little bubble where it's like, oh, everyone's stacking. No, no, download the CSVs. No, nowhere close. We have Slate IQ that comes out every day for premium members. And if you want to be a premium member, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. If you look on Slate IQ, even that says, 
it's they, you get leveraged by stacking. It's like, oh, I thought everyone stacks. It's like, yeah, well, not everyone's watching these shows. Not everyone's watching Crunch Time and reading the grind down or reading Cheese's musings or looking at ownership or projections. Then they're not doing that. Daniel says, I guess to break the top 10, I needed a math degree. Computer science only got me 25. Yes. Well, I mean, it's related. I consider computer science degree to be in the same, same type of, some type of field like that, right? But a lot of them have, a lot of them is applied mathematics, right? I mean, the whistles go, woo, he's a, like a PhD, like college professor in math. Daniel Hutchings says, my Sims confirm what you're talking about in smaller contests, hundreds of entries. My code generates more stack lineups than the huge GPPs, which still have mostly stacks. Right, of course. Right? I, it, oh my God, I said something that's mathematically accurate. Well, you know why? Because I've actually I've looked at this. I mean, that's it's not it's not complicated. And then you look at other sharper players and they're 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 doing a similar thing. So there has to be a reason for it. I mean, you could just start from that. I most of what I learned on how to play DFS well the game theory of it is from studying other players number one that day one october 2015 playing a soccer slate breaking even and then going what did other people do why did this guy play that guy now i didn't know who the players even were like the users in the lobby who's good who's bad but i would see that a couple of people they're they're playing every day they're playing every week every for every slate they seem to be doing better than me. What? Why did they play that guy over that? And then you start studying lineups. Then CSVs became a thing, right? So now, now I'm downloading contest CSVs. I want to take a look at all of their lineups. That's interesting. Why are they playing this guy with that guy? Why are they playing the defender and the goalkeeper together? Oh yeah, because they're correlated. Right? Oh, oh now, oh because if one thing now I can get more. Oh, right. I mean, it's common sense, but, and then you start down, then you, then you move to a sport that has a lot more, NFL, MLB, NBA, then you're downloading CSVs and then you're running, you're, you're, you're literally analyzing. This guy's owned this much, this guy, these exposures, these lineups, and then you could run a lot of stuff and you could see why, why do people, why seems like, seems like all the people that do well are making these types of lineups. There may be different players, but there it seems like there's, there's four or five guys from the same team. I'm, I'm assuming they're I'm assuming they're correlated, right? And you could run, you could run, you could run that, you know, like I said, plot out the points for the past 10 years and do all of that. And you could see that you could get a correlation coefficient from player to player. Or you could. You could think in terms of, you know, how efficient markets are. That if, the, if people are beating a market, if, they, if you, if you, the most profitable people have to be do, doing something that you're not doing. And if you look and you go, well, they're doing, you, you look at the top 50 people and they're all playing five guys from the same, like th th that has to be optimal. At least, uh, at least pro uh, maybe not optimal, but at least profitable. And then you could look and you see whether or not they're crazy, but they're probably not. If you see one guy winning, 
in a short period with weird strategies, that could be an outlier. That could just be just plain variance, plain lucky. I do it. That's why I said, if you show you show me a user that is one playing 150 lineups, because obviously if you had that much of an edge, you'd be playing 150. You play playing a lot more lineups. So show me 150 max player that plays all one-offs that had that is profit. And over a course of a season, that shows profitability. That show eh, maybe. Show, show me what, I mean, just to find 150 moxer that does it, you're going to find zero of them. But I mean, if you had that much of an edge, if there was some way to be more profitable that way, someone would be doing it. Someone would have analyzed the data and, and be doing it already. And they're not. So probably doesn't exist. Uh, let's see. Adam Pantano, any thoughts on the early slate? Initially like KC, and I'm thinking they will be chalk again. Well, I don't like anyone. Was Lance Lynn scratched? Did that happen? Did I miss that? Did that come through? Ronaldo Lopez will start in place of Lance Lynn for the White Sox on Wednesday. Oh, so Ronaldo Lopez is, okay, that's going to change everything. That's going to change absolutely everything. Do we have updated projections? Probably not. Let's see. Oh, no, we do. We're not, but we don't have to project right. The bat updated for that. So now Fran Lopez, Brenda Valdez is going to be. How many innings is Ronaldo Lopez going to pitch? Oh, there's going to be a mess now. So what are we looking at ownership wise? I'm assuming this is updated. Brantley, Engel, the white, the white Sox are going to be chalky. Now you don't have to pay up a pitcher anymore. I mean, literally, I mean, now that takes off. Valdez is 9,800 and everyone else kind of sucks. Or you can play Alcantara. I mean, you could fit, you can pretty much fit it whatever you want. Ryan Weathers against Miami. That's probably that that's probably gonna be the chalk, right? Valdez Weathers. Ober, maybe. I don't know. But you now, now you're gonna be able to spend up. So maybe, maybe the option here is to play too expensive. I mean, but you're not, you're never playing that that expensive of a of a combination. So you know what you do? I'm going to, let's see, build rules, unique players, just put in two for now. For Hitter max is, okay, what's the max exposure? Let's see, like 40% on a pitcher, probably 40 on both, right? The short slate, maybe 45. Put them both at 45, screw it. 45, 45, 49,000. Put the stack. I'm playing smaller fields, so I'm going to put the stacks on five three. Give me a nice two uniques. Do I need to reuse running exposures? I guess maybe. And then let's see what shows up. Let's let's put a, a max on stacks. Let's see if the White Sox. I guess forty percent. 
30% just to be 30% stacks. And let's just see what shows up. 100 lineups, yeah, that's good enough. Uh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Yeah, Daniel says, I think my code generates some tiny proportion of like, well, one-off lineups, but it could just be rounding error or variance. Yeah, I can't see, I can't, I mean, it would have to project so much higher than so, so many other lineups for that to, like, I could, I could see it happen, right? On baseball slates, if there, there's some, if, it, if we have multiple, numerous players that are wildly mispriced for their projection. Like, let's say we had a slate where Otani, and Otani was 2,500 and, uh, and Judge was 2,500. Like we, we, we get a couple of those. Like that dramatically, like compared to their projection, like you'd be, they'd be 5X, 6X multipliers or something. You know, you, you have, the, you have the, the, the Wrigley win game and those guys are 2,500, like that, that, that type of thing. And you go through and it's like, you could build an all one-off lineup that projects for X points and it beats out like the, the, the highest possible stacked five one 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 lineup by like seven points, and then it's like okay, like then then maybe in your one fifty your code will you'll you'll get that lineup. You'll be like God, that made that may be worth that may he's probably not still not using it. Uh, let's see, Charlie Guap says people can't learn from other people; it's too much pride. Right. Anything is technically possible. If you just do what, uh, what me and a whole bunch of good players do, you'll do better. But everyone thinks they're smarter than everyone. So they do their own. Well, that's good. Then we make more money off of them. We make more money off of them. Let's see what happens. Uh, okay. Well, all I did is use the bat projections as of now. I don't even know. I don't even know. Fernando Lopez doesn't have an ownership. Who knows? So what comes up more than, than their fair share? The Padres? Is that going to be a thing? If their ownership is low, Fam, Cronenworth, Machado, maybe that's what I want. Especially if they're like the late, right? The Padres lineup is not going to come out for God knows how long. Maybe the Padres to play against Alcantara and people aren't going to want, people are going to play Alcantara now with Lynn gone. Right? I think so. So they're going to play Valdez. I mean, the Rockies are, I mean, the ultimate, like, leverage play now. And I think Alcantara gets enough ownership. Right? But, I mean, it still says to jam in a bunch of Alcantara also. 15%, Ryan Weathers, 29%. See, I don't know if this, I, I don't know if the ownership is right. But, yeah, the Royals, the Royals look pretty good. Like, you just stack that game. I mean, that's that's the number one. Based on... The bat projections, the 5-3 that comes up the highest is Valdez Alcantara with the, the Royals five-man and the Yankees three-man. So you're basically avoiding the White Sox. Well, I mean, the bat doesn't really like the White Sox. We look at the stack projections here. Let's see. Let me update this. Brewers are going to be, well, tonight, the Brewers are going to be hella chalk against uh, Arietta. Look at this. Look, 111. The next one is 93 for the ceiling. 
Oh, the Brewers are going to be nuts on tonight. Uh, so let's take a look. Anything in the early, right? Kansas City actually has the highest ceiling projection. So highest point per dollar also, according to the bat. The next from there is the White Sox, 86. So there's a nice three-point difference between them. Or the Padres. Padres are down here, 77. It's a small slant. Am I going to make that up in relative value? I'm assuming the Royals are going to have to generate some ownership, some more ownership in this. I mean, Perez will be super owned at catcher, obviously. Because we see here in the top lineups, like 5-3, here's, the, the, here's Royals, Royals White Sox. Right? I did 5X, right? No, 5-3, okay. So I'm playing small field. Right. If I was doing large field, I'd do five X. We see Royals, Yankees, Royals, Royals. I mean, is it all Royals? What's going on? Oh no, there's plenty. Oh, we get uh, actually get more San Diego than all the other Royals. They must project like lower, but in that like middle range. Just look, look at this the five hitter stacks. San Diego actually comes up more. In Kansas City, even though Kansas City is at the top. So let's see. Let's see what those look like. So we go down here. We have 103, 102, 89, 102, 101, 102, 101. It's all it's all Royals. Royals, is here's the White Sox stack, right? I can't see playing Eloy. I mean, if he beats me, he beats me, but I'm not going to play a 40% on batter. And Adam Engel, yeah, I think that the White Sox is going to be the highest. Okay, here we go. He's a three-man Padres, Machado, Cronenworth, Fam, with Valdez, Weathers, and, and you still play, you still get to play the, the Royals. So this isn't bad. A lineup like this. Cronenworth, I guess, will be owned. You play Weathers, Walter. Yeah, because you, you can't play Alcantara in this lineup. Go through. Let's take a look at some Padres. Padres, where you go? Where's the, where's the five-man Padres? Here's three-man. Here's another Royals Padres. Brady Singer in this lineup. Hey, he's, here we go. I mean, you're sacrificing a bunch of projection, right? So that's what I'm saying. Valdez Weathers, five-man uh, Padres, and three-man and three Twins. 91. The top one is 103. So you're, you're sacrificing a bunch for that. So the Padres actually don't project all that well. But you think they'll be the lower-owned of the White Sox, the Yankees, the Royals, the twins are play. I mean, now that they're facing Ronaldo Lopez, I don't know. The ultimate, the ultimate leverage play we all know is the Rockies. Okay, Valdez is going to be super owned now. Do you do that? I mean, you can. Will I? I'm not sure. Because <laughs> look at the top of this lineup now: Connor, Joe, that Joe Dazas. Like, who's a good player? Taylor Motter is playing. I mean, this is ridiculous. 
Sam Hilliard strikes out 700% of the time, right? <laughs> Elias Diaz is now betting fifth. Fifth in the Colorado line. It's cheap. You still have to pay for story probably in the stack. But if you just use the bat projections, it looks like it looks like you're stacking the Yankees Royals game. If you're just going by projection, which it may not be that bad, 155, if this ownership is correct. I think maybe the Yankees are underowned. Are the Yankees underowned? Maybe that's that's the that's the play. There's gonna be White Sox one. What's the difference? With the, is the White Sox going to be twice as owned as the Yankees? Maybe you play the Yankees. Taking a look at this Yankees lineup, why not? You can still play Void at a cheap price. Yeah, they got to be more owned. Than, I mean, obviously, they got to be more owned than this. Aaron Judge ain't coming in at 12% and Gallo at 10%. Odor at 1%. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. They're pulling our chains. They're pulling our chains here. But this is what I do to look through lineups. Like I'm not, I'm not looking. Well, this guy has a left-hander versus what? I'm like, no, it's already factored into the projections, right? I'm using Derek Cardi's bat projections, and I just look at I'm looking at lineups, not players. What do these lineups look like, right? And then I can change this. Like, okay, if I don't play that guy, if I play this, and what what do that constructions look like? And then compare them to each other. Just look, look at the difference between these lineups. Like which lineup would you, if these numbers were accurate, which I'm not saying that they are, which lineup would you rather play? A lineup that this one projects higher and is, is less owned than this lineup. So you'd play this one as a combination. And look at this, the, this one projects, this one down here projects for 0.31 less, but is, is much less owned. Right, so you'd rather play that line. I mean, so that's why you're just looking at lineups and not not players. Make whatever combinations you want from there. Oh. Feel free to uh, hit those thummy thumbs. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. We got, uh, we got Grinders Live coming up uh, later today, I believe. We got a bunch of stuff today. We got the, DF, uh, the DFS OGs, the OGs. They're doing their podcast, the Swolecast, I believe. There's a bunch of stuff. We're doing some so rare soccer things. On I don't know. I just look at the schedule and be like, oh, there's a lot of stuff today. A lot of stuff coming up. And if you hit the notification bell, you'll know when we go live. And, uh, and I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow. No pregame show, okay? I don't know if I have to repeat this 18 times like I did last time. 11.30 Eastern tomorrow. It's crunch time because we got an early slate. Like this is an early slate, but not an early early. We got a 12.10 lock time Eastern slate tomorrow. So it'll be, it'll be instead of the pregame show, it'll be kind of like the crunch time more, you know, show, show right before lock type of show. It'll be me and Cheese. Cheese is good, Dave Potts. Uh, guiding you through uh, the last 40 minutes before the early slate for tomorrow. So that's 1130 Eastern. You'll see the thumbnail on the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. 
So it won't be 11. It won't be 11 in the morning. Don't DM me. Don't message me. Where's the show? Just look. You'll see. You'll see my face. You'll see Cheese's face. It's 1130. That's the time. But then I'll be back on Friday for, for casual Friday, right? Because we got some Thursday, these early slates, some Thursdays. So we kind of get preempted, but I'm, I'm still here. I'm still always here. That's what I do. I answer your DFS strategy questions, review past slates, and uh, sometimes we make some lineups. So we look at some potential lineups. The Lance Lynn news just like screwed everything up, right? Didn't screw everything up. Just anything that I was looking at before doesn't matter anymore, right? So now you got to relook at everything. So, uh, so until tomorrow, uh, I'll see you again on another episode of the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.